Um, man, you guys are in for a special treat. To, today we got uh, Annette Moore that's going to come and minister to us about perfect praise. And with uh, if there's any children going to Children's Church, my mom isn't here, but Becky will be back there if people are going to go to Children's Church. Um, you can go now if you're going to Children's Church. I'm going to walk back there right now. It's going to be okay. Um, and then Annette will come on up, turn your, your microphone on. Thank you, Jesus. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Keep talking. Can you hear me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was going to pray, but man, I felt like I prayed during worship. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. But you know what? I'm going to ask my husband to come up here and pray over me. Would you just come pray over me and over all of us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this man. Annette told me she was going to have me come up and pray, so I started thinking about, you know, sometimes prayer is a place where you just plop your heart out before God, you know, and that's a good thing. But sometimes God actually wants to get involved in our prayers. And so this morning I'm meditating. I'm like, Lord, what, what would you have me pray? And this verse just kept coming to me. It's over in Ephesians 4. It says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And just with that in mind, Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for being in our midst. I thank you for the effectual work that you've done in this branch. And because of that effectual work, I just declare that this morning, bondages will be broken. Strongholds will be torn down. It will bring forth what you said it will bring forth in your word. It will bring forth an edification of us in love so that we're joined together and we're even more tight-knit than we ever have been before by the power of what the supply of the Spirit brings to us. Yes, you're supplying us. And we just look forward to you doing what you do. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. All right. I've never done this before. This is my first time. <laughs> and I have so much, I know. That's what makes it so beautiful. Is that you're all family. We're all family. So um, everyone online, we're family. So I'm going to, uh, I got a lot to share. I got 20 pages, guys. I mean, I asked God as I sat down because I had, he gave me so much earlier last week and as I sat down to write it there's just more coming more coming and I'm like how many messages is this he said just give it all let it go give it all so I'm gonna give it all but I'm open to him stopping and doing whatever he wants to do as well so he knows that um I love what uh Phelan, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but from River City Church in Ireland, Phelan Daughtry said recently in his teaching, he said, 
to a world blinded and deafened by the age of information. Let us proclaim what can be seen by the Spirit. For at the sound of such a song, the greatest prison in the world opens, the unbelieving heart. Did you hear that? Did you hear what the greatest prison in the world is? It's the unbelieving heart. Unbelief. I'm going to get to what Jesus told me about that kind of towards the end, but we're going to get there. Um, he said, let us proclaim what can be seen by the Spirit. Man, in praise and prayer and song, when you look at each other, we see Jesus in each other. This reminds me, though, of um, Stephen. When he was setting Christ before them, before he was stoned to death, and when he looked up into heaven and saw, so we're just going to read it, Acts 7, um, starting at 55. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man. The Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And you know, they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. You know, it was Paul later. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Brings me right back to when Jesus was on the cross and cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. I'm sure Stephen was still beholding him in his sight. I don't think he ever left his sight. As the very word of God, who was crucified, died, and resurrected, Stephen was gazing into the very truth about his own life. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen spoke the same thing Jesus did when he was on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How can you say that? You can only say that if it comes from God, from the Holy Spirit, being filled with his very spirit, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of revelation, the things that God has revealed to us in having been filled with his Holy Spirit in us. Do you know you're all filled? And that's what I'm going to do today with God's help. I'm going to share what God's been showing me. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Mirror's back that I'm standing here. Um, and uh, how it all ties in with perfect praise and what what God has revealed to me about it. But first I want to revisit that word revelation for a moment. I love the word revelation. It means apocalypto. To me that's like saying it's mind-blowing. It blows everything up. It blows up the lies. It blows up the carnal mind, the things we've been indoctrinated with. It blows up the traditions of men. It blows up the afflictions. It blows up death and things that have held us in bondage. That word revelation means a revealing or an unveiling. A revealing and an unveiling of what? Of Jesus. Of Jesus Christ. 
It is the revealing of the work of God and what he was always after for us. What he was always after for us. The whole Bible is a revealing or a revelation of him, as we are, have all been learning and understanding to see Jesus in it all. Jesus said, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Psalm 47. John 539, he said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there we have it, right at the end of the Bible. You know, we have this amazing book called The Revelation. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. God's written word. The revealing of him. But I'm not here to teach on Revelation. Greg did an amazing job in South Carolina uh, with three three messages. And uh, just go and listen to those. I'm going to be listening again. And, man, I hope he, he brings more. He brings more for us on that. And I'm sure he will. I just really wanted to mention it because when someone says they have a revelation or God revealed something to them, you're always going to know it's real if it reveals, if it reveals Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's how you're going to know. We all know that. Test the spirit. If it's revealing Jesus, you know. Yeah. I think that's where perfect praise is experienced and what Jesus was referring to when he said in Matthew 21, 16, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. I recently had my own revelation of Jesus and myself, our Father, seeing in the spirit during prayer and Worship. I love to worship. <laughs> I just poured my heart out here this morning. <laughs> I just couldn't help it. It's just, I just love getting lost with him. I've always felt strong connections to certain songs. God has really spoken to me through certain songs in my life and even non-Christian songs. But there's just, there's, just, there's just nothing like connecting with him in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in you in perfect praise, in anointed words, songs about him, songs about us, songs about who we are, what we have, who he is to us, who we are to him, his life in us. My love of worship started years ago in my mid-20s when I became a believer, born from above, when Jesus knocked on my door of my heart, my house, and I let him in, my heart, and my house, literally, and, uh, Quick, 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 just quick testimony about that. Um, you know, I was raised Catholic, and I, I didn't really know God. I knew, I knew, I knew he was there somewhere. Um, anyway, I'm in my mid-20s, gone through a lot in life, and uh, I start working at this grocery store. I met my friend, Pam, started telling me about Jesus, told me she was a born-again believer. I was like, is that? I'm Catholic. I'm good. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> All weird stuff on TV. And I uh, just didn't know what that was. I, I didn't know. And so she starts telling me about Jesus. You know, we work together and, and, and um, praying for me. And a year later, I, she tells me about this big mega church. It's a secret church. I didn't know what that was. Um, come, come, come. She kept inviting me. Finally, I go. I go, I go, and I hear 
the gospel. Maybe not the gospel I know now, but I heard Jesus loved me. I heard God loved me. I heard I was forgiven. And uh, I cried. I cried and I cried. And they always gave the invitation to accept Jesus, you know. And I, I'm a little stubborn. So I didn't, you know. I, I went a few more times hearing, you know, hearing and the and then one night in the car after work, driving home late at night, um, this guy comes on the radio and he says, you know, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Ask Jesus in your heart. And I just, wow, I just felt like, wow, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? Jesus, come into my heart. I believe. I believe. I believe you died, rose again. I believe you died for my sins and you've given me eternal life. And uh, so I, I get home. I pull in the driveway. I walk in through the kitchen door. I shut the, shut the garage, shut the door. I, I just, no sooner do I shut the kitchen door, I hear this knock. <laughs> okay, is Jesus on the other side of the, are you on the other side of the door? Is there somebody in my garage? Carl, I'm like, oh, there's somebody in my garage. I hear it again three times. I go, well, I guess I was supposed to let you in my house. I open the door, fully expecting, I don't know, hopefully to see Jesus standing there, but, and there he was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he was, just not in the physical. <laughs> I said, come on in. Come on in my house. Now I know this is the house. But you know, I invited him in. I invited him in for, for my whole family. <laughs> and so that's my, that's uh, when he uh, began his good work in me. I mean, he began it a long time ago, but that's when that all started for me. Um, I, I loved hearing the gospel in those, in those days. Like I said, maybe not the full truth of the gospel that... I have come to believe now, having been sitting and hearing this beautiful truth we hear every week, the revelation of Jesus Christ set before us through, through Greg, through Denise, through Mo, through Jared, through my wonderful husband now, through all of us, and all of us, all of us come and bring the anointing, bring um, the supply of the Holy Spirit. You've all touched my life. You've all blessed me so much and walked with me and encouraged me with God in you. Thank you. Just seeing you, just seeing your faces adds so much to my life. It's why we miss you when you're not here. It's why our family, when they come in from out of town, we can't wait to see them. We can't wait to connect with the God in them and what they have and how they bless our lives. Thank you, Barb. We've been so blessed here. Um, and how about Bertie Britt? So many of us started with hearing him. Jesus is the tithe. Wow, that did it for me. That changed everything for me. It's been like 11 years now. 
But every week here, we hear the spirit of prophecy, the revealing of Christ and what God has had in mind for us. Christ crucified, us co-crucified with him, the resurrection and us being raised with him. I feel like a whole new foundation has been laid. The old is gone and the new has come. Even when I didn't think anything was happening in me, God was persuading my heart of the truth. He was with me, still doing his work in me, healing me from so many things, things I didn't even know were still in me. So I just want to say thank you, Greg. Thank you, Becky. Thank all of you. But thank you guys for pouring out your life for us, for giving it all for the sake of what's to come and what has come already. Thank you. Now, I know, I know without a shadow of, of a doubt, um, this foundation, without this foundation, this truth that we've been hearing laid before us in these, for me, the last 10 years of hearing and hearing the faith, which is Christ, what happened to me the other day that I shared at Bible study. Um, and like I said, the fact that I'm standing here today because Greg used to look at me and say, when are you going to preach? I'd be like, oh, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. Well, I, I mean, I kind of wanted to share a little bit about Bellamy and read the book. And I thought I had something through that. but And, and I still do, and I, I still want to do that. But, I mean, that's, I'm just like, you know, even called on me in Bible study one night. And I was just like, you got something? <laughs> My mind was elsewhere. You know, I'm just like, I, I just feel like I got nothing. Feel like nothing's happening and I've been talking with God about that for a while it's like all this hearing and hearing and hearing and what is it doing in me I feel like I got nothing like my mouth is stopped up like I have nothing to say <laughs> but God was doing something he was busy clearing out the old foundation still and laying the new in me he was still healing me. He first had to pull out the lies and the wrong teachings and the beliefs and the unbeliefs before I could see and experience him as I never have before. He's been working on getting to and pulling it all out at the roots. He does a good work. And I'm sure there's more he wants to do to heal and heal me and bring forth. This is just the beginning, I think. Um, I mean, he's always been working, but, but there's just something that's happened. And uh, the words for such a time as this keep coming. So, you know, I think everything I'm sharing is for such a time as this. So, um, I had COVID three weeks ago. It was awful. I'm not going to get into all the awfulness of that, but it seemed like every day there was a new horrible symptom creeping up nothing tasted good everything tasted horrible not even water not even water could satisfy I mean it tasted like sugar it's just awful nothing could satisfy but Jesus nothing I mean I knew he was with me and I couldn't do I couldn't really listen to anything except praise and worship and so one one day, after about a week or so into it, week and a half, I was in the tub and I got out and I, you know, I had worship music playing and that song, I Speak Jesus. God, that song is so good. 
it's just so anointed. It's so, I just felt it. So I just wanted to sing that song over and over and over again. And, and, I, and, I, and I found myself just doing that and praying in tongues and praying in English and praying. It was just, the, it was just flowing. It just wouldn't stop. God was just, we were just praying together. And, uh, and I was singing that song and singing that song. And, and uh, I see in my mind, I see, I see, I see Greg, I see Becky, I see Denise, I see Jay, I see, I see all of your faces, but I see certain people specifically, and I just stay there, and I just speak the name of Jesus, speak the name of Jesus over you all, and, uh, and Denise, you know, I got a word, man, that answer's, that answer's dead, <laughs> it's dead, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it black and shriveled up and dead, like a burnt charcoal piece of wood, like a piece of charcoal that burns and nothing's left but dust. I saw it falling out of her. Sister, I know you're online. If you're not, I think you are. Is she online? You are healed. Who agrees? Who agrees that cancer's dead and it can't stand? up in next to the resurrection life inside of her and the life of God inside of her. I believe it. I believe it. God showed me. I believe it. I'm not going to say anything different. In fact, from the first time I heard she had it, I didn't think anything of it. I see her standing in the great congregation. <laughs> she is going to give her testimony. She is going to share. She is healed. She is whole. That thing has fallen out, fallen out of her mouth. I actually saw that happening. Sorry, might be throwing up there, but um, it's, it's dead. And I think as she like has been considering Jesus, I talked to her the other day. Every time I talked to her, she's so full of joy. I don't hear anything else but that and Jesus. Anyway. Um, I had this vision too while I was while I was praying. God's, God's given me lots of visions over the years, um, and uh, this was strong. And I saw I, I just wanted to go up to the throne room. I just wanted to go up to the throne room and see my Abba. And so I start going. I see myself going, and I see His glory, and I see Jesus, the Son of Man. And I see his long robe, and it's red. It's red. It's beautiful. It's flowing down. It's flowing down. It's, it's coming out. And I'm walking into it. It's like velvet, but it's rippling, and, it's, and, I'm, and I'm just being immersed in it. And, and I see it's blood. It's blood. It's like, it's like, it's like the strength of my blood and flesh is... is is coming out, but I'm being washed in his blood. I'm being cleansed in his blood, and I'm not scared. I just stay there, and I see him, you know, I see, now he's here, and I see him, and he's just looking at me with love, and I feel so safe. I just want to stay here. Just wash me, heal me, cleanse me. I'm not leaving this room until I get it all. I want it all. And I look up above my bed and I see 
this plaque and, and, and the words I put on it. There's an eagle and I put the words, Jesus' words, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Mm. I am in my Father. I just kept picturing him. He was standing there. I hear him saying, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And I wanted that. I just, I just wanted everything that meant. That was my heart's cry. And I'm crying. I'm crying. The tears just kept coming and coming and coming. And I just felt the love of God like I've never felt before for me and for everyone here all of us, my family, my children, as I beheld their faces, it felt like God was beholding them. I was beholding everyone with him. It was powerful. I cried. Psalm 126, 5 through 6 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. He who continually goes forth weeping Bearing seed for sowing. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And we thought all that sowing was about money. (laughs) It's your tears. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to cry with him. Let those healing waters flow. Because there's joy coming and you're bearing seed and the harvest is right around the corner. Anyway, while I'm in that blood, all I could uh, also hear was from Ezekiel, you're at the time of love. I'm going to read it. Starting at verse 6. Ezekiel 16, 6 through 8. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. I mean, you know, we all know when God says something twice. (laughs) Truly, truly. (laughs) I made you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew, matured, and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing, or the King James says skirt, over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. Now, during my time of grief, after Louis passed away, passed on to heaven, God was speaking those words to me, live, live. That song from Elevation Worship, Rattle, that was my jam, man. God was saying to me, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, live, live. That meant so much to me, that song sang that song over and over and I felt it. I felt my dry bones coming alive. But before that, I didn't want to live. I really didn't want to. I just kept saying, God, what am I doing here? 
What am I doing here? He just kept saying live. I spent months trying to figure out my life and my future. Some of you will recall. It seemed everything I tried to do to bring myself life ended in frustration. And I heard God say it was because I was trying to do it without him. I had to have a long conversation with Greg about that. That's another story. (laughs) But finally, after hearing those words and that song resonating and God's words resonating, resonating in my heart to live, I heard him say, wait, just wait. Wait till spring. I wanted answers now. Wait, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait, Father, I'll wait. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm waiting. I told everybody, everyone's asking me, what are you going to do? Are you going to move? I don't know. God just said, wait. <laughs> Talking to him, long walks on the beach. Wait, okay, okay. So in the middle of winter, God brings me that wonderful man over there. And in the springtime, he said, wait till spring, right? He said, get, you know, he said, marry that man. Marry that man. And I married that man. God is so good. You all were here. You were all part of that. It was such an incredible day. But, you know, I heard God say, marry that man. I knew early on. So I knew I was going to, but before we got married, I, um, I asked, you know, I asked daddy, I said, you know, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? Just, I just wanted to check in with him, you know, just check in with dad and be like, are you sure? You know, and, uh, <laughs> are you sure I'm supposed to marry him? And I get another vision and I see Matt standing up here at the altar. I see Greg standing here. I see myself. I'm walking. I'm walking up the aisle. I'm looking at him. And then I'm looking straight ahead. And it was like I walked right through Greg, going up to that throne room. Just walk. Whew, I opened my eyes right away. I said, what does that mean I'm not supposed to? (laughs) That's funny. He said, answered and he said in marrying Matt you will be walking in my strength he didn't say if you don't marry him my strength won't be with you no he said in marrying Matt you will be walking in my strength in other words confirming yes and I knew I knew that there was a strength that was going to come forth in me in Matt in our union together with God and I had no more doubts. It, was, it went. I was like, okay, God, be it unto me. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so that was getting a little off track, but I just felt that I was supposed to share that with y'all. Um, this time, however, this time, you know, God was saying, live, live. He's always saying that. But this time, it was you're at the time of love. Now, I know it's always been love. He is love. He can be nothing else but. But there was just something so powerful and intimate during this encounter with him in praise, in prayer, and in seeing. Um, 
like I said, I felt his power and the strength of God's love so strong for all of us. And like my hands were just burning, burning with fire, so strong. I just, I just wanted to go lay hands on everybody, but specifically Greg and Becky, because I knew they were sick too, and Denise. And um, I've felt that before um, when, when, I, when God healed a crippled woman's deformed hand in my hand as I prayed for her years ago. But this was even stronger than that. If that, I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. Someone gets healed right in, in your hand. God's hands. God's hands. You know you got God's hands? <laughs> that's powerful. But this was even more. This was different. This was something was really happening. I told Matt in the car later that day we had more worship on and I'm crying again and I'm worshiping and I'm like, there's something happening in me. <laughs> I want to go lay hands on them. And he's like, just let it flow, baby. Just let it come. Just let it come. Okay, God, let it come. Let it come. Whatever you're doing, let it come. So anyway, you know, my symptoms for the, what was going on, it was, they were going. They were going, going, gone. They're gone. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Getting back to that, um, how powerful that felt. Um, I mean, as much as I wanted to go and lay hands physically, I felt like that was being done. Like God was doing it through me. He, he was doing it. It wasn't me, but we were doing it together. I, because we're so connected. All of us, we're all connected. We're connected. We're one. We're one family. We're all parts of the body. We're all connected in the spirit. And so even if we can't, you can't pray for somebody in person, you can pray for them with God. <laughs> He'll do the work. He does the work anyway. It ain't us. We just, we just are willing. We just make ourselves willing. And I have another vision after this. This was powerful too, and I was just sitting just sitting, listening, listening to some beautiful worship music, sitting on the couch. And uh, that song, Lost in Your Love, I, I don't know who sings it, but that was on. And, and I see, I see Jesus. And I see Jesus on the cross. I've never seen myself on the cross like that before. I see him, and I'm holding his face. I'm there with him. I'm, 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 he's all bloody, and he's looking at me. And I'm, I'm holding his face, and and it's just such eyes of love. His love. His love. And now I'm on there. I feel like I'm being held, like, like a baby, like I'm swaddled, you know, like he's holding me. I could feel him holding me, holding me. The strength of my flesh being poured out. 
his body absorbing it, his body absorbing my death and everything that's been coming against me, his body on the cross. And I'm being loved and, and strengthened. And I'm thinking, his arms are here. How am I being held here? And all I could think is my father is holding me on the cross with my Savior, with my Jesus. He's holding me. He was in Christ, right? He was, did he leave him? No, he was there holding him, holding us, holding us, conquering our death, bringing us life. So good. God, you're so good. Thank you. Powerful things happen when we pray. When we praise. When 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 we've got this foundation already laid in us of the truth. Things happen. Things happen with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to share what God gives you. Because we all need to hear it. It strengthens us. So going back, man, that was so good. I could just stay there. But um, I just let God do what he, what he does with that. Uh, going back to my early days as a believer, hearing how Jesus had died for my sins so I could have eternal life and how much God loved me and it never grew old. And being forgiven, that was huge because I carried around so much guilt and shame. I never felt worthy or loved like that before from my God. Never knew I was worthy of love like that before. But the worship, that's where my heart connected early on. It was effortless, it was pure, it was beautiful. My arms stretched out always. Everywhere I went, I had worship music playing. When I was alone in the car, I couldn't wait to turn it on and turn it all the way up. When my kids were in the car, it was up. I'm praising, their eyes are rolling, they're embarrassed. They pull up to a stoplight, you know, they're like, Mom, please, no, this is the music you should be listening to, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not that devil worship. <laughs> I love to worship. Uh, that went on for years. And then, you know, stuff happened in my life. Heartbreak, depression, lies from the past started creeping in. Scripture seemed to be getting twisted. And everything about came became about performance for me. Trying to stay in God's good graces, trying to perform and do and be what I thought he wanted from me, trying to please him and prove my worthiness to him. In other words, trying to maintain my salvation, trying to be good enough so I could pay him back <laughs> as if I could. <laughs> but that's what I thought, because God isn't mocked. I even told my son that one day. I feel so bad about that. That's what I thought. That's so twisted. I don't know how it got that way, but it did. And my praise and worship became diminished. Now, not always, but it wasn't as strong and sweet and powerful as it was once. 
it's become more of me trying to find a song in order to feel that closeness I once had instead of flowing from a heart that knows the closeness and the oneness it possesses with God. So after years of trying and never feeling like I measured up to what a good Christian looked like, I told God I was done. I couldn't do this Christian thing anymore. And I'm sure it was one of the happiest days of his life. I could almost hear the angels singing. Glory to God, finally, finally, finally she's going to find out what it means that I came to serve her and not the other way around. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It took a couple more years and another failed marriage, and I found myself with a hunger and desire rising up inside of me to know him more. Mainly, I just couldn't do it anymore. I'd really come to the end of myself. I was exhausted emotionally and physically. I was tired of trying to do everything myself. I was done, and I cried out to God, where is this abundant life I'm supposed to have? Where is the joy? Where is the peace? Where is this provision? Where is this you caring for my life? What is the Holy Spirit exactly? What is speaking in tongues? What is prophecy? Where are the miracles? I I didn't know any of that stuff. It hadn't been taught. I I didn't learn it. But I wanted to know, and I had a hunger. What does it mean that you're my father? Heck, I didn't know I had a loving father. I knew Jesus, or I thought I knew him, but I didn't know I had an Abba. To me, God was the father, was the cold, distant one, the one who couldn't even look at me unless there was a Jesus filter over me. He couldn't see me, and that was was like there's something wrong with that. How can that be? How can you see me? How can you care for me if you, if you can't even look at me? How do you know me? And, and I knew there was something twisted about that. But praise God, he did not leave me there. <laughs> praise God, the, the, the day I discovered who my father is. That's another story, and I, I'm a, I won't go there, but, man, he just started revealing the gospel, who he really is and how he cared for my life and the finished work of Christ, and he started blowing up, apocalypto. <laughs> started blowing up, busting up that faulty foundation most of my Christian life was built on. But it could never stand anyway. It could never stand up against his eternal resurrection life in me, and it can't in you. (laughs) It had to be put out by his doing. It was just a matter of time. God is never short on time, and this is the beautiful thing about it all. I don't feel I missed anything all those years. I didn't miss anything. None of those years have been wasted. God has always been with me. He's always been faithful. He's always done wonderful things in me and through me and for me. But even if I hadn't gotten it, even if I hadn't been getting it, and I hadn't been persuaded of his goodness to the extent I am now, he would still have all eternity to reveal it to me because you can't miss out with eternal life, right? So about that time, I started Bible college and discovering worship again. And these beautiful anointed songs um, through Bethel and Jesus Culture at the time, Carrie Job, and I still love my Amy Grant. 
<laughs> Darlene Jack. But these songs I was hearing, man, they connected me to God in the spirit like nothing else. And and um, that anointing just drew me close to him. And I, I couldn't wait again. Now I couldn't wait again to take those long drives and sing my heart out. Now I had a sunroof. So now I could really raise my hands <laughs> higher. <laughs> And I couldn't wait to get home from work and just shut the blinds and turn on the worship and praise and, and speak in tongues and pray in tongues. And man, it was a river. It's just beautiful. Um, then I heard this teaching on praise. And I'm not going to say who it was by. But it's basically taken from Psalm 8-2, which reads... Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And then Jesus broke down that psalm in Matthew 21, 16. He said, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And I, I really love the way it's written in um, John Fazio's uh, writing of Revealing Abba in the Psalms. Um, from the mouth, it says, Psalm 8, 2, from the mouth, from the mouths of the young and innocent. That's us, babes. That's us. Calling upon your name in perfect praise, have you established your grace and strength, which making foolish the corrupt logic that brings death, silencing it. I think that just... Anyway, I learned a lot from that teaching, but not all good because it was based on us doing something in order to move God. Declaring and declaring our faith, not his, over and over until God finally hears us. And after that teaching, a noticeable difference was happening in my praise and worship with God. It became laborsome. It wasn't a joy as much anymore. It just became laborsome, and it wasn't flowing freely and effortlessly out of a heart of innocence, but rather I was doing it in order for God to do something for me. After all, I was trying to defeat my enemies because that's what that's what it says. Yeah, I do this, and my enemies are going to be defeated. <laughs> yeah, it was my warfare. It became my warfare. <laughs> The battle was mine. It was no longer the Lord's. Now, the gist of that teaching was that the praise, that praise silences the enemy, even defeats the enemy, which we know is death. At the time, I didn't understand the word enemy as death. The enemy is always death. We know that. Death is at the root of everything that tries to destroy us. I would agree, though, that perfect praise that through perfect praise, strength will come forth. The enemy will be defeated. Um, healing will come forth, joy, peace, intimacy, and that death, that enemy, and all its filthy lies will be silenced because it no longer has a voice to us. In that oneness with God and communion with God, it, 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 can't, it can't stay. And we're calling upon God's name in perfect praise. As Jesus said, out of our mouths 
calling upon God's name in perfect praise. God has established his grace and strength, and that grace and strength coming from God makes foolish the corrupt logic that brings death, silencing it. And I'd add the silencing of the carnal mind and the thoughts to enlist our flesh in order to produce life. Romans 8, 5 through 6, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. <clears throat> For to be carnally minded is death. We all know that. But to be spiritually minded is and peace. Life and peace and grace and strength. So what is perfect praise? I believe perfect praise looks like the revelation of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. I believe it is that and Jesus revealing God our Father and the revealing of what God was always after for each and every one of us. Not just us, but the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, all of us humans, all of us his children, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Probably the first scripture we ever memorized. <laughs> the truth. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, his love and his life given to us is a gift because, you know, everlasting life is everlasting. Eternal is eternal. It doesn't have a beginning and an end. It's not for later, it's for now. That's why his life, his love, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His union with us is yesterday, today, and forever. His eternal life is for us yesterday, today, and forever. Well, yesterday's gone, but today and forever. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to read um, that whole psalm, just to see it in context, Psalm 8-2 from um, Revealing Abba. And uh, just to help better understand what I'm saying here, or what God's saying. It says, Abba, remember Jesus is, is seeing God as Abba in the psalms. He's seeing God, he's seeing himself. He says, Abba, Abba. Your name and your majesty fill the earth. You have revealed the excellency of your name in me, wrapped in your light and your glory from heaven. From the mouth of the young and innocent calling upon your name in perfect praise, have you established your grace and strength, which making foolish the corrupt logic that brings death, silencing it. When I behold you, Abba, in all the beautiful works of your hand, in establishing the heavens and the earth. In awe I ask, who is man that you, Abba, have never forgotten your promise of eternal life to them, or me, the son of man, that you have made your home in me, promising me your life and immortality, appointing me the heir of all things. You made me in a body that is a little lower than the angels for a short season, and with everlasting kindness you have clothed me with your life, your beauty, your good opinion, in an immortal human body. Abba, you have given me power over all flesh and dominion to subdue the earth and all the works of your hands. 
to put death and all things under my feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, my Abba, you declare the glory and majesty of your name in me. At your right hand, exult in your name in all the earth. Did you see him? Did you see Jesus? Did you see him revealing the Father's heart and what he always was after for us? In verse 3 it says, When I behold you, Abba, in all the beautiful works of your hand in establishing the heavens and the earth. The King James says, When I consider. That's what it means to behold. To consider, to think upon, meditate upon. See and behold. To be in awe and hold dear to you at the forefront of your mind and in your heart. Beholding our Abba is perfect praise. In verse 4, In awe I ask, Who is man that you, Abba, have never forgotten your promise of eternal life to them? Or me, the son of man, that you have made your home in me, promising me your life and immortality, appointing me the heir of all things? Beholding our eternal life with him is perfect praise. It's all in here. This is just one tiny part of the Psalms, of the, of the Word, of the Bible, of the whole Bible. <coughs> we see perfect praise, our Father in his Christ, our Savior, and wonderful God throughout the whole Bible. This is just one small part. The next psalm is even better. Mm -hmm. Ooh, time's flying by. I love the Thank you, then I'm going to read it. That settles it. <clears throat> My heart's desire is to do, this is Psalm 9. My heart's desire is to do your will, O Abba revealing your heart and declaring all your marvelous works. I am delighted and find great joy in you, singing psalms of praise that declare your name, Abba, for yours is the Most High. When my enemy, death, is destroyed. Is death destroyed? Yes. All the ways that brought affliction will fall and melt away at your presence. All afflictions. For you have declared your justice for all men in me. By raising me up immortal. We're talking about Jesus here. My testimony declares, and us, and us, <laughs> too. My testimony declares your justice to defend them from death and give them the same glory and immortality they see in me. You, Abba, abhor the way that animates men to labor and toil and find rest for, in life, in your life. You will destroy that way. You will destroy the way that brings them death and give them your life as a gift. You will cast away death forever. You, Abba, will utterly destroy your enemy death bringing all that seeks to injure man to an end. It will perish, and there will not even be a remembrance of it. But you, Abba, and your life will endure forever. The very same life you have prepared for me reveals your justice. 
to clothe all your beloved with your life and immortality. Excuse me. And you, Abba, have proclaimed your judgment to the world in me by defending all people from death and that which seeks to destroy them, ministering justice to your innocent children. <clears throat> Abba, you are the deliverer of all that are oppressed by death. You are their rescuer in times of trouble. I will make known your name as Abba, and my testimony will reveal your heart that you will always only ever be good to them and never leave or forsake them, persuading them to trust in you, Abba. In Psalms, I will speak of your everlasting kindness and how that everlasting kindness that dwells in you has come to me to declare you as Abba to all people. When you take vengeance against death, you will remember your beloved, never forgetting the cry of those who are trusting you to clothe them with your life. You influence my heart, O oh Abba, and you will clothe me with your life. When you see me in distress, circled around by death, I place my trust in you to rescue my life and save me from death and corruption, that I may provide true testimony of your loving kindness to clothe all people with your life so that they may behold and rejoice in the certainty that you will also save them from death and clothe them with your life. I'm not going to finish the rest. That's... I got more. We're only on 10. We got 20. <laughs> now, we're going to go over to chapter 21 in Matthew, starting at verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, I'm not, forgive if I don't pronounce things correctly, at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, sitting lowly and sitting on a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on, him, uh, on them and set him on the donkey. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Anyway, there they are. And they're shouting, the multitudes, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here's a little refresher on Hosanna. It is an exclamation of adoration. They were expressing it for the Messiah. Those who were shouting it believed Jesus to be the Messiah. Hosanna means save us now. Save us now. Which is what they were shouting by saying Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They knew the Messiah was going to come and save them. They just didn't know exactly what that meant. We do. But Jesus called what they were declaring perfect praise. For they were declaring him as Messiah, the only one who could save them. In verse 12, we pick it up. Then Jesus went to the temple of God, 
and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Jesus was bringing back to the remembrance Psalm 8-2, which they surely would have known, and in doing so, revealing himself as the Messiah and the one who saves. Now I want to go back to where he drove out and overturned the tables. After he did that, he said, you know, it, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. God's house had become a den of thieves, and it was killing them, stealing from them, and destroying them. It wasn't bringing life. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or more abundantly, in abundance. He's talking about us having God's quality of life, God's life, God's eternal life. So what was going on in the temple? There was a perversion there in the temple in the father's house. He said, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. It was supposed to be a, a house of prayer, a house of perfect praise. It was supposed to be a place for them to receive and know God the Father and his Christ. Instead, it became a place where they were being stolen from. Sadly, this sounds like a lot of churches today, but not all, not here, not here, not in this place. His word is going forth, covering the whole earth through all of us, through all of you online. His word is going forth, covering the whole earth. Jesus went in there and drove out all those who bought and sold. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He drove out the perversion. He cleared out the foundation to establish the new, to establish what, would, what has stood and will stand for all eternity, the promise of our Father to give us his life, he came to establish or bring forth in us our perfect praise in the revealing of the Father to us and the revelation of Jesus Christ himself who was what was always in God's mind for us from the beginning. The work he was going to do and about to do on the cross and what God the Father was going to do in raising him from the dead. But first he had to clear some things out of the way so they could see, so we could see. If you notice, it was after he cleared out the accusations, the condemnation and the perversion in the temple. It was then, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Just like he's done with in all of us, clearing out that old foundation. Not that he couldn't heal us before, but I think you know what I'm talking about. This reminds me of another story where God had to remove some things in the woman uh, caught in adultery. John 8, 2 through 11. 
And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground with his finger. And though, as though he heard them not. Jesus is easy breezy. <laughs> so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Go and sin no more. Go and be free of the accusers of your soul. Be free of the accusations against you. Those are not your father's thoughts. Be free of the accusation that you are not like God. Be free of the condemnation that causes you to find life by the strength of your own hand that you need to look for satisfaction in something other than me, because I don't condemn you. He said, this was God standing before her. God, the very truth, standing alongside those accusers, and they left but one by one. They couldn't stand in the presence of truth. They couldn't stand in the presence of God's life. They were driven out. Jesus was saying, I don't see you as filthy. I see you as dying. That's what he was saying to her. You are suffering at the hands of the thief and his accusations. You are suffering by enlisting your own ability to try to find life by the way you've, only way you've known how. But I, I am standing here saying that way will kill you. Be free of that. Go and sin no more. Be free from your unbelief and see who you are and whose you are. You are free from the old ways, from that way that steals from you and sets out to destroy you and your union with me. I have come to give you life in abundance. Yeah. Amen. Glory. This is exciting. It's just exciting to read the word again for me because I, I, I couldn't. It was like it was going in one eye and out the other. I just couldn't. It's just so exciting. So we're just going to read. It's okay if we read some more. I know y'all all, all right. Need to get up and stretch? Go ahead. Um, we're going to turn over to Matthew 9, 18 through 26, and we're going to look at all three accounts of this. We're going to read all three. So get ready. Is that the right page? Yes. Okay. 
While he spoke, starting in verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, behold, this is another time Jesus cleared some things out. Okay, that's why we're reading it. While he, he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowds wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. Now we're going to read it again in Mark 5, 21 through 43. <clears throat> it's cool to, watch, to read all three accounts. It's just, it gives us a bigger picture. Mark 5, 21 through 43. Now when Jesus had crossed over, Again, by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? I was tempted to just talk about Jairus and his daughter. But, you know, we have this picture here. And, and God just said, No, I want you to leave it in. You don't really need to talk about it, but there's something or somebody that God has in, the woman, in that woman's story that touched, just knew, knew the only one that could save her. So I don't know who that's for, but that's why, I'm, that's why I'm including it instead of just not reading, skipping ahead. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some, of the, uh, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? 
As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, just imagine him standing there. They, he just heard his daughter's dead. And Jesus looks at him and says, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult in those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. She was really dead, but Jesus said she's sleeping because he saw her as alive. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. And he commanded them to tell no one and that something should be given to her to eat. Now we're going to read it in Luke 8, 40 through 56. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said again, Master, the multitudes throng and press in on you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus knew. Jesus said, somebody touched me. He, he knew who it was. For I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, he saw her. He sees us. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And she will be made well. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. And her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them not to tell anyone what happened. Now, I noticed, as I read, Jesus putting the doubters and ridiculers outside. And I asked him, 
It's a really silly question. <laughs> Not really. I asked him, could you have healed the little girl? Could you have raised her from the dead if you had not put the unbelievers outside? In other words, I was asking if his power was limited by the presence of unbelief around him. I mean, how ridiculous of a question. This is God. Not even death could hold him back. Not even death could hold back God's eternal promise for us. But guess what? I recall another teaching years ago that said just that. You see, I didn't think this was still in me. But God knew, because I asked the question. And he knew he had to yank that out of me. This old distorted teaching told me if I didn't have enough faith or if there was any kind of unbelief in me or other people around me that perhaps I was praying for or ministering to that God couldn't help. He couldn't help me. He couldn't help them. He was limited in his power and wasn't going to answer my prayers because of my unbelief. I had to first get rid of that as if I could do that. I tried. I couldn't. I had to first pray enough, give more, do more, be more, memorize scriptures enough. You know, you know the whole story. That's all crazy. Get down, suffer, be repentant enough. I had to do something in order for God to move not really knowing God already did, that God already moved on my behalf, for all of our behalf, before I could ever do anything, before I was even born. So anyway, you want to know what God said to me? He said, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> in other words, that's not the point he wanted to demonstrate in the writers of the accounts, including how he put the unbelievers out. He said, here it is, unbelief in the heart cannot stand in the presence of true belief. Unbelief doesn't have a leg to stand on. It doesn't hold up. It's driven out. It's put out. It dies and doesn't return. Unbelief cannot stand. It cannot remain in the presence of resurrection life, nor can our afflictions nor can death dwell in the presence of resurrection life. Only one of them can remain. It's always going to be resurrection life. And it is not up to us to try to do something about it other than keep hearing and hearing this gospel, this good news, this finished work of God. Christ crucified and us with him and his resurrection and ours with him and sit at his feet and talk with him, pray with him, praise with him, be with him. This unbelief, isn't that awesome? Unbelief in the heart cannot stand in the presence of your belief. It goes. It goes. When this foundation is in us, when our eyes are fixed on him as the truth about our lives, it just falls away. We don't do it. He does it. This unbelief not being able to stand or stay in us reminds me of when the Philistines took the Ark of God and they brought it into the house of Dagon. This is uh, 1 Samuel 5, 2, and 4, 2 through 4. When the Philistines took the ark of God, and they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon, they set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early in the morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. It fell down. It couldn't stand. So they took Dagon, and they 
set him back up in his place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only his torso was left. <laughs> when Matt brought those verses to my attention, I thought it was a great picture of what God is doing and has been doing in each one of us when afflictions come in the face of contradiction up against the resurrection life of Jesus. As we consider, gaze upon and behold him as our life, our perfect praise. The strength of our hands and our ability to bring forth life falls away, and so does our carnal thinking. Just like Dagon's head and hand broke off. It can't stand. Galatians 2.20, For we, we family, have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live, but Christ lives in us, and the life which we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. The old man is dead. The old man is dead. New church has come. I mean, the new, yeah, the new church, right? The new man. That was maybe a word there. The, the new man has come. The new church has come. The church has come. <laughs> We're almost done. Three more pages. Greg recently shared a couple posts that I really felt fit here. He said, whatever it is that is afflicting your life, God sees you in your affliction. His heart is filled with mercy for you. Jesus is there in your midst. Your affliction cannot stand in the presence of his love. It cannot abide his resurrection life. Receive ye strength in the name of Jesus. Be ye made whole by the power of the Christ in his indestructible life. In another post, he said, Jesus wasn't obedient through the works of the law. He was obedient through the death of the cross. His obedience was that he rested in the Father to justify him and clothe him with life, instead of trusting in the strength of the flesh. When we consider Jesus' obedience in the face of contradiction, him being nailed to a tree there on the cross, and him just resting in the Father to justify him and clothe him with life, instead of trusting in the strength of the flesh, we could see this is our obedience as well. Rest in the Father to justify you and clothe you with life instead of trusting in the strength of your own flesh. Rest in the Father and receive ye strength. Behold your life crucified with him. Be washed in the cleansing blood of Christ. See the love in his eyes for you. Feel yourself being held on that cross with him by your Father. Let him take what's killing you and feel the release of all your afflictions flowing out of you and being absorbed by your Savior who is our Hosanna, the one who saves us now. Our Jesus, the one who conquered our sin and death and told us, we're at the time of love, so live. 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 Live, my brothers and sisters, live. Allow yourself to be loved and live. See the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. See immortal glorified human flesh. His blood having been poured out is a picture of the dying away of our flesh, our sin, 
our afflictions, our death, our ability to try to bring forth his life in us by our strength, by the strength of our own hands. The thoughts of our carnal minds to bring satisfaction, love, joy, peace, contentment, life. They are the Dagons and they cannot stand in the presence of resurrection life. They cannot stand in the presence of belief, in the presence of perfect love and in the presence of truth. Truth about who you are, whose you are, and the life of God inside you. See his life as your life. You are one with him. I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. And I am in you, and you are in me. This is perfect place. Isn't life better together? Beholding his life is our life. This is what we must focus on and consider in the face of contradiction, in the face of afflictions coming against us. And come they will. Of course they will. The enemy doesn't want us thinking we are like God. He doesn't want us to remember who and whose we are in the life we possess. He doesn't want us to remember we are God's children, his sons and daughters, his beloveds, and that we have the very life of God on the inside of us. He doesn't want us us to remember that he's with us, in us. This life and the oneness we possess is inside of us. We have God's life. What did Jesus say when when we face tribulations? Be of good cheer. I know it's hard sometimes, but... When you're considering the right things, <laughs> be of good cheer. You can be of good cheer. I have overcome it. He has overcome everything that has come against us. He did the work for us. He took our death in his own body and died it away. Death is dead. We're dead to death. It's not part of us anymore. It cannot abide with resurrection life. We're all coming into this place where it truly has nothing in us, like it had nothing in Jesus. We're coming into that knowledge, into that heart belief. It's death that is at the root of everything evil and and that can try to come against us and everything this world can try to do to destroy us. Every evil thought and action come from this root. It's the root of everything We try to do by the strength of our own flesh, good or bad, to try to have life, to try and justify ourselves and clothe ourselves. It comes from death. It's like having a giant weed in our yard. We've all had them. When Carol was here, she shared, um, Carol, my dear friend and sister, um, our sister, she um, talked about the bread for pear trees. And I looked it up and I learned some stuff. One of the articles on them um, actually called, uh, it was actually called The Curse of the Bradford Pear Tree. This is an evil tree. It looks beautiful to the eye. You could even say it looks good for food, but the fruit it produces is inedible to humans. It has these lovely white flowers that look pretty to the eye, but they actually smell really bad, really, really bad, like rotting fish and worse. In fact, they are pollinated by flies. Flies. That's just gross. Read that right there. Their branches grow heavy, big, strong, heavy branches, but the weak structure of the tree causes them to crack, split, and bust. And they are cross-pollinating and creating a disaster, producing other awful trees, other evil trees, 
just talk about this Chinese, Chinese calorie tree. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And they all produce these, these impenetrable, impenetrable thorny thickets that choke out the life of other trees, the good trees, the pines, the dogwoods, the maples, the hickories, the oaks. They have four-inch thorns that will produce more trees like an impenetrable steel fortress. The thorns will shred a John Deere tractor tires. They can't be, mow they can't be mowed down and can only be removed by steel track dozers. Does this tree remind you of something? <laughs> it reminds me of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It looks good, but it is the epitome of death itself, and it produces nothing but more death. Death can only produce death. The only way to get rid of that tree is to yank them out at the root and pour heavy chemicals on it. Death had to be yanked out by the root. It had to be cursed. The head of death crushed and destroyed once for all at the cross in the body of Jesus Christ our Lord. And the proof is in his resurrection. A man now sits, a human now sits at the right hand of the Father, raised immortal, eternal, flesh and bone, never to die or see corruption again. The Father having raised him. And we died with him. We have been raised with him and are seated with him. His life is now our life. This is the life we are forever united with. This is the life we are one with. The life we now possess dwelling inside of us, the very life of God. Glory to God. Of his fullness, we have all received. And grace upon grace. Oh, death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. There is only the tree of life for us from which we can eat freely of, freely partake of Jesus' body every day. The veil has been removed. We have full access to the throne room where we run and cry out, Abba, Father, Abba. This is perfect praise. Believing this, seeing these things for yourself in your own intimate time, sitting at the feet of Jesus, asking there's just nothing better than sitting at the feet of Jesus. Asking the Father to reveal to you what can only be seen in the Spirit. Talking to Him, crying out to Him, allowing Him to persuade your heart. And then walking in these truths daily as a little child, fully dependent on your good Father for everything you need for life. Realizing His life is your life. You are one with Him. I am in my Father, and my Father is in me, and I am in you, and you are in me. Recall these words. Consider them. Meditate on them. Ask God to make it real to you so you can walk here in this world as it is in heaven, in boldness, in confidence, and full assurance of his life in you. Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. It doesn't mean you can't have a little now and then. <laughs> but be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to, no one to another in the fear of God.
I'm going to leave you one last thought. Short. <laughs> this is from Rick Sarver. He posted this, and I shared it. I think Greg shared it as well. He said, Paul and Silas didn't worship in the day. Blah. I'm going to just start over. I'm excited. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Paul and Silas didn't worship in the jail cell in order to move God. They worshiped because God had already moved. They knew that God had moved in them. You know God's moved in you. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, no matter where you are. Again, when your eyes are fixed on the revelation of Jesus Christ, and you know God has already moved, and you know he has moved in you, and you speak that out in song, in worship, in your daily life, over your situations with God in prayer, and your conversations, and you let that flow out, flow out, to one another here, wherever you are, especially here, because we're the body, we're all, we're all a part of him. We've been supplied. You let that flow out. What you see in the spirit to one another, that, that right there, that is God having perfected our praise. That is perfect praise. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. That's what I got. That's what God gave me. Woo! Thank you, Lord.